This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck, The Blaze Radio Network. Was college education in America meant to be free? For that matter, was any education meant to be free? Is education a right in the United States? What did our founders intend? Well, they certainly didn't include free public education in the Constitution, as historian David Barton discusses. The founding fathers were big for education, but not in the federal Constitution. It was an unenumerated power. The federal Constitution gave the federal government the authority to do 17 different things. Outside of that, the Tenth Amendment said if it's not an enumerated power, it belongs to the states. And so education was always a state issue, and they taxed for education, and they did not see a problem with taxing for it as long as you got the right product. Now, here's the difference. They wanted a learned citizen, a learned student to become a learned citizen, and they did not believe there was only one way to achieve that. Therefore, they funded every conceivable form of education that existed. They were all into school choice. They just wanted a kid who could read and write and had virtue and had morality and, and understood accountability to God. And so there were seven or eight or nine different forms of education back then. You had what were called common schools, which is what we would call public schools today. Common schools took everyone in on tax money, but they also used tax money for parochial schools. They used it for what were called the dame schools or the old field schools. They used it for cotton schools. There were all sorts of different forms of education, and they just wanted educated kids, so they were willing to pay for all of that. Homeschooling was also very big in that, and tutoring was big in that. And if you wanted to go to college, you could, but you had to pay a tuition as as you went to college. While many proponents of public school believe that the founders were among the most ardent supporters, it is also true that most of America's founders were themselves homeschooled or self-educated, including Thomas Jefferson, widely considered to be the most intelligent among them or as compared with most anyone in history, with an estimated IQ well into the genius range at 160. After spending most of his schooling at home with a few years at a private academy, Jefferson entered the College of William and Mary at the age of 16. To a man, America's founders knew the critical importance of educating the populace of their new nation. Without proper knowledge, the Republic could not survive. But even so, as previously mentioned, the Founders did not include public education in the U.S. Constitution, nor did they see fit to set up some sort of national system. Instead, they left education to the states and municipalities, as Barton explains. Founders were strong proponents of education, strong proponents of education, And they were strong proponents of government having a role in education. Now, not the federal government per se. They saw the federal government having a role in education when it came to federal territories. Education itself was run largely in the local areas, local communities, and by the states. Long before the supposed father of modern American education, socialist John Dewey came up with his vision for schooling America's youth a century or so later, Barton explains the original founder of American education. Uh, There's a great piece done by Dr. Benjamin Rush in 1790, 
And at that point in time, we have just finished no longer being 13 nations or 13 colonies, if you will. 1787, the Constitution is written. 1788, it's ratified. 1789, it goes into operation. And so in 1790, Dr. Benjamin Rush, and Dr. Benjamin Rush, by the way, is is probably one of the top three educators in American history. Uh, He is called the father of public schools under the Constitution. He signed the Declaration, ratified the Constitution. But he does this piece. He says, all right, what we have here is we now have a nation. We used to be 13 separate nations. Now we're one nation. What type of education does it take for the nation to survive? No longer are we concerned about just our states, but now the nation. And so his piece is called On the Mode of Education Proper in a Republic. And he goes through and he says, well, first off, we all know that education has to be grounded in religion. If you do not have religion, you will not have morality, and you cannot sustain without religion and morality. So he talks about how important that is at the national level, that every, every aspect of education inculcate religion and morality. And by the way, the federal government agreed in the sense that when they made their stipulations for what it took for a territory to become a state, and that's the only way they saw themselves involved in education was in the territories, they also required that religion and morality be the basis of what you taught in education in the territories. So they start there, but Benjamin Rush also then goes further, and he says, now, the purpose of education should be, number one, to teach students to love and serve God, number two, to love and serve their country, and number three, to love and serve their family. And he sees that as the three great objectives of education. From Barton's description of Benjamin Rush's intent for education, it's plain to see just how far we've strayed from what this important founding father and others intended. In fact, we now experience the exact opposite of that education and intent. Rush, who graduated from Princeton at the age of 14, also realized the importance of character in order for America to survive. So they start there, but Benjamin Rush also then goes further and he says, now, the purpose of education should be, number one, to teach students to love and serve God, number two, to love and serve their country, and number three, to love and serve their family. And he sees that as the three great objectives of education. Knowledge academically was a given, but they thought character was more important than academics. And Benjamin Rush specifically says that if you try to teach knowledge without teaching character, then you will have done a disservice because students will then take that knowledge and will use it to destroy the nation or to destroy the cities or use bad character to get what they want for themselves. He said it's harmful. So they were very much into education. They did not think America could survive without it. But they were very, very specific on the content they thought had to be included if you're going to have successful education. So how was this education they envisioned to be paid for? Founding fathers were big into taxes for education. Just like they were big into taxes for national defense or other things, they believed that it should come from public funding because it was something that serviced the public that caused caused the, the community to be sustained. You cannot have, as Thomas Jefferson said, you can't be ignorant and free. If you expect to be ignorant and free in a state of civilization, he said you expect what never was and never will be. So if you wanted to be free, you needed to pay for that. And you only had freedom if you had educated people who understood history, who understood government, who understood constitution, who understood reading. Uh, As a matter of fact, John Adams himself said that in, in Massachusetts particularly, to find an illiterate student you're more likely to find a comet than you are to find an illiterate student, a student who could not read and write, 
And it didn't matter what class you came from. It didn't matter whether you were a farmer or a merchantman. It didn't matter whether you were the, the children of teachers or the children of preachers or the children of the poor. You knew how to read and write. And so that was the basis. Now, we're at a point in America today where that we average $164,000 to send a student through 12 years of school. And over the last 15 years, we were averaging 19% illiteracy among high school graduates. 19% of those who come out of high school can't read their own diploma. And you compare that to where they were back in their day, where that, as John Adams said, you're more likely to see a comet than you are to find someone who's illiterate. Obviously, things have gone wildly wrong since the early days of education in this republic. America has gone from a country comprised of three million people who were mostly farmers and laborers, who somehow had the ability to comprehend intensely sophisticated concepts and writings like the Federalist Papers, so much so that 85 Federalist Papers that were published appeared in the daily newspaper. America has gone from that beginning to a people that can barely comprehend Charlie Brown's peanuts in their newspapers and have an illiteracy rate higher than the America of 1776. What happened? Progressivism. Intellectuals from American universities, especially Ivy League schools, were at the forefront of this movement. Dignitaries who were renowned progressives like Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes and the aforementioned philosopher John Dewey led the way to profound change. Another major influence was the former Unitarian minister turned humanist C.F. Potter. As a minister, some of Potter's issues included his disbelief in the infallibility of the Bible, the virgin birth, the divinity of Christ, and the second coming all of which would seem to be a problem for a Christian and his resolute support of evolution, so much so that he was an advisor to Charles Darrow in the Scopes trial. Potter's progressive ideas led him to found, in 1929, the first Humanist Society of New York, whose advisory board included Dewey, Julian Huxley, Albert Einstein, and Thomas Mann. Together with Dewey, Potter was one of the original 34 signees of the first Humanist Manifesto in 1933. As a nice topping for this progressive cake, Potter was also the founder in 1938 of the Euthanasia Society of America. As for Dewey, it's interesting to note that after Ted Cruz's father, Raphael, referred to Dewey as a communist during the 2016 presidential primary, Progressive websites went crazy defending Dewey and mocking Raphael, reminding us that Dewey was well-known as a staunch anti-communist. But what they didn't mention was that John Dewey was also an openly and avowed socialist. Big difference? As for Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, it's doubtful that many of today's Americans know just who he was. In addition to being, along with Dewey, highly influential in America's educational system, he was also influential in the progressive eugenics movement. Just one of Holmes' quotes explains a lot. We have seen more than once that the public welfare may call upon the best citizens for their lot. It would be strange if it could not call upon those who have already sapped the strength of the state for these lesser sacrifices. 
often not felt to be such by those concerned, in order to prevent our being swamped with incompetence. It is better for all the world if instead of waiting to execute degenerate offspring for crime or to let them starve for their imbecility, society can prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. The principle that sustains compulsory vaccination is broad enough to cover cutting the fallopian tubes. Three generations of imbeciles are enough. It is hard to believe that these prominent, highly influential Americans believed the things they did and had so much to do with our modern education system and that these are just a few of the progressives responsible for the refounding of America's educational system and the re-education of our children. They are the ones that injected the slow-acting poison and then let it run its course for decades. By 1963, not only was religion not taught and prayers not recited in school, but they were replaced in large measure by the secular humanism and progressivism favored by the new educational founders. Next time, we examine in greater detail exactly what the progressive approach to education is and how it has infected America's schools and our children's minds. Glenn Beck. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com.